Welcome into another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, you and I have been together doing a show for uh, over over 26 years now. And if you would have walked in and talked to us, say, even even 15 years, 20 years into what we were doing, and they said, one day y'all going to be doing a podcast, what, what would we have said? Well, first off, I'd have said, what's a podcast? Right, I would not have known right. what a podcast e- even right. was. I was taught in a pod in first grade, right. one of those big buildings that, you know, everybody's in the same building, but had no idea what a podcast would be. Well, it goes back to, my wife laughs about this phrase we use on the show a lot. One time, uh, the first time she and I ever went to this little community down at the beach to try it out, see if we want to stay there. And I looked around and everybody was on a bicycle. Yeah. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, down here, if you don't have a bicycle, you ain't nothing. Well, now I think in our industry, it's almost like if you don't have a podcast, you ain't nothing. Uh, so Rick and Bubba University, the podcast was born. And we thank all of you for joining us uh, for yet another edition. And our guest on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And again, sometimes uh, we're very lighthearted on this. Sometimes uh, we're talking about the the topics of the day. Sometimes we're somewhere in between. Today we are talking about the topics uh, that are going on today and something extremely important. Pastor Brian Gibson is our guest today. Uh, and, of course, he is part of a, a, a coalition called Peaceably Gather Coalition. Uh, he, he pastors... Uh, a church, and he's got uh, locations and, and campuses in Henderson, Kentucky, and also in Owensboro, and then over in Armarillo and Dumas, Texas, uh, looking to plant multiple uh, campuses all over this country. Uh, and he joins us now. So, Pastor Brian Gibson, welcome Brian. to Rick and Bubba University. Hey, gentlemen, it's an honor to be here with you. And uh, 26 years together. I'll tell you what, you guys have been together longer than me and my wife. We just got 20 years in. Well, look so, at that. So, <laughs> hey, it's an honor to be with you. Well, as you know, it is it is a marriage, but uh, not not <laughs> yeah, not that kind. Not, nothing that would match the <laughs> biblical standard, but right, you know what right. I'm talking about. Well, well I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it, Yeah, we, aren't yeah. we all? Uh, so let's, talk, let's, let's jump right in because when I throw out, you know, the, the Peaceably Gather Coalition, uh, I've, I've watched some of your interviews, so I, I understand and we do what you're doing. Uh, are we exaggerating? Do you, do you think people say, "Hey, you guys in the church in America, you're being you're being drama queens"? I mean, come on! I mean, your your religious freedoms aren't under attack. You, you're not being persecuted like the persecuted churches around the world. You're overreacting. Uh, but I think apathy right now for the church is a mistake. Uh, I know you feel the same way. Explain why. Yeah, I, I seriously believe the majority of Americans don't understand the constitutional crisis we're in right now. And uh, uh, I could ask either of you guys a year ago, uh, I come to you and say, hey, Rick, hey, Bubba, do you think overnight that America would shut down all of its churches, all of its businesses, all of its, you know, whatever they they deem non-essential, and that America would just lay down and be quiet about it? And then it happened. And uh, so it's been amazing to watch throughout the nation and what God's kind of allowed me to see, give me a privilege to see through travel and through what we do is uh, the amount of what I would call persecution or discrimination against the church. It differs state to state. So sometimes people are in a place that's almost like the Shire, right? Where the hobbits lived, where everything was green and uh, they don't see that the rest of the world is burning around them. But it's one of the darkest days for the church in American history right now. Uh, If you look at the Supreme Court ruling uh, recently out in Nevada, where churches can have 50 people, but the Bellagio can have 50 percent, you can see 
uh, where is, where is uh, well, even the justice system in back in the First Amendment and our freedom of religion and not just churches, right? Because this isn't just a Christian issue. It's, it's a religious issue across the board. Uh, I'll tell you, every day we're restricted in worship. Every day houses of worship are closed or limited. A bit of liberty dies. And so America needs to wake up quickly or we're going to be in a place uh, we don't want to be. I've, I've ministered around the world, preached the gospel in places they'll kill you for preaching it, uh, where you got to do it underground. And I'm telling you, the only thing that separates us from them is that First Amendment, that that government can't form a religion nor hinder a religion. And right now, I'm telling you, they're hindering religion and it's amping up. So it's time for people to stand up, to act, to wake up, to uh, to, to stand up for what so many Americans died that we might enjoy. Brian, we, we thank you for being with us. Bubba here. Let me, let's walk through this whole thing and let's talk it out because I know what people are thinking and asking, but let's start with what you mentioned. The actual document that we live by, the Constitution of the United States as a U.S. citizen, okay? And it's very clear, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but I think it's written on the eighth grade level. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of a religion, can't tell you what to be, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And then it goes on to say, or abridging freedom of speech, freedom of press, all that. So we go back again, or prohibiting or stopping the free exercise thereof. They can't force you into any religion, and they cannot prevent you from the free exercise of whatever religion you are as long as you're not uh, hurting the rights l- later listed in the document. Breaking other, other laws, right. yeah. Um, what about that, Brian, do justices who are supposed to be pretty smart on this stuff can't read? This says the government has nothing to do with our churches. They cannot do anything. They really have no control over our churches as far as exercising of our beliefs. That's what it says, Right. Am yes. I missing something? We're, we're, no, without a shadow of a doubt, you're, you're correct. Um, that That's what it says. It's what it's sa- said for over 200 years now. And Americans understood it as such. And for some reason, we have uh, governors that are that are overstepping their bounds. They think there's a pandemic pause button on the Constitution. Yeah, what, what about that, that? I don't see that. It doesn't say unless I, I, yeah, there but, is a pressing <laughs> emergency. It's not in there. I can't, can't, can't find that. Where, where yeah, am I you, missing it? You won't find that anywhere. And uh, you, you won't find that in, in any uh, anywhere written in the Constitution or anywhere in the thought of our founders. As a matter of fact, freedom of religion, many people think there were a couple of preachers. They were brothers by the name of the Muhlenbergs. All right. And the Muhlenbergs, one of the brothers was very um, anti-British. He was ready to, to go to war. And he started preaching there's a time for war. He wanted the American Revolution. All right, his other brother was was pro-British. Really, he wasn't pro-British. He just didn't want war. Didn't want to fight. He, began yeah. to, he didn't want to fight. So he starts speaking out to his brother, you're crazy, you're insane. You're going to get yourself killed, your people killed. So the first brother actually became a part of what they called the Black Robe Regiment. He started recruiting men out of his congregation, and he led them to battle. The other brother said, uh, really, you know, as a pacifist at the time, until the Brits raided his town, took his church, 
drove him out where he had nothing. All right. And then he joined the revolutionary uh, force and both of the Muhlenberg brothers, boys, they, they got on board. Those two guys, uh, many historians attribute that First Amendment right to worship to what the Muhlenbergs went through. And then also, of course, there was the Church of England, and uh, they wanted you to be able to, to not just take whatever England gave you mm-hmm. as a form of worship, but to worship as you saw fit in your heart. That's why we have the freedom we have in America. So we tip our hat to the Muhlenberg brothers and are thankful that they stepped up. But they say they're one of the voices that made sure that that was in our Constitution. It's been there forever. And what's shocking to me right now is like men like John Roberts, Mm -hmm. um, I I just cannot understand. And I think the majority of American Christians and not just Christians, but Jews and, and, and Muslims and you name it, religious people, they cannot understand the ruling in Nevada. Uh, we cannot understand what's been allowed in California. I've been to California multiple times over the last few months, standing with per- what I'll call persecuted pastors. Um, these men are facing fines. They're facing jail time. Uh, they're continually harassed. Protesters lined up out in front of their churches, and they're clearly protected under the Constitution. But Governor, and and this is what I call him, Nero Newsom. Mm. Now that that's his name now for me. He's <laughs> Governor Nero Newsom because he's the new persecutor of the church in America. And why we care so much, like I'm a Kentucky and Texas boy, but I love America, right? Um, but kind of what starts in Cali works its way across the nation. Mm-hmm. We've seen it through many cultural moves uh, throughout the years. And then whatever they get away with legally in California works its way across the nation. So right now, one of the real fights for liberty is somehow getting behind undergirding and fighting for these guys that are persecuted there to stop that wave. Um, It's in other places. I'm not saying it's not just in California. We felt it in Kentucky, but I think that's the front of the battle today. Pastor but, Brian but Gibson, right. yeah, yeah, it, but it's there. We're, we're going to continue this conversation, and I want to ask you another thing I think Christians are struggling with. Uh, when we come back and continue this conversation on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Now, Bubba, I don't know if you've seen, if you, you can go to rickandbubba.com and go to the Rick and Bubba store, and we got some really cool Rick and Bubba stuff there, but have you seen this one? I like it. You, Hot you, off the press. Well, it's, it's an election year, okay? It's an election year. And, and we remember this famous, you know, Bush, Reagan, 84 campaign shirt. Do you remember it? Uh, Reagan Bush. Reagan Bush. I'm right. sorry. I'm you got to get in the right I, order. Well, yeah. I'm sorry because right, yeah, I've got it. Really, on this shirt, I'm Reagan, you're Bush. I hate to bring that up. But anyway, what we've done is this show started. We were just talking with, with, our, with, with our guest about this. Yeah. We were just talking about that we've been you know doing this show since 1994. So the, the merchandise graphic artist says, what about a cool shirt this year on election year? This got Rick and Bubba 94 on it with the exact same logo, just changed the name Reagan Bush to Rick Bubba, and then put 94 on it. And they showed it to me in that navy color, and I said, well, that looks really cool. So these are available now. All you have to do is go to rickandbubba.com and click on the store. We also have uh, you know, the Rick and Bubba hat uh, that has the same logo on it. we got various hats, and there's all kinds of stuff you can find there. Uh, but uh, look for this new shirt available now at rickandbubba.com by clicking on the store. And, you know, there's one thing that I think e- both parties can agree on, and that's a vote for Rick and Bubba. There you go. So we're talking and continuing with uh, Brian Gibson. Uh, he's a pastor, but he's also part of the Peaceably 
uh, gather coalition. And and I'm gonna I want to ask you one other question. We talked about the Constitution. We talked about the First Amendment. You gave us the some of the history too. And we and I think we all get that. Now we don't know why the Supreme Court is ruling against us. Can I read this again? Read yeah, yeah. Or prohibiting <laughs> the free exercise thereof. There's only one meaning for that. It means none of your biswax. Right. So so let me ask you this question, which is a spiritual question. Now, we've talked about you're in America. Right. You can't be denied this, guys. We got that. Okay. But there's still people that will say will go to Romans 13. They'll go over into some of the, uh, the writings of, of Peter in First and Second Peter. Uh, you hear Jesus saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but you, you give to God what is God's. Be good citizens. Behave yourself. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't. You, you have nothing to fear of the government if you just go out and do good. But then you look at the examples of Acts chapter four, uh, the stories of Daniel, that they said, well, now you've gone to the place in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now you've gone to the place that we will not follow the law of the land because now we have to choose God over the even earthly people that He placed. In government, if you look and at... And told us to follow yeah, up to this point. Where is that line, and how does the Christian live that out? And are we at that line now? Even if it wasn't constitutional, are we there spiritually? Yes, we're absolutely at that line. And uh, people do quote that all the time, especially the Romans 13 chapter. Yeah, uh, You just did a great job teeing all that up theologically. I can tell you've read your Bible. But... but the Romans 13 chapter, they'll, they'll talk about submitting to the authority. Right. All right. Well, we don't live in Rome, number one. Right. right. We live Correct. in America. Correct. We have a different form of government. And the highest form of government in our land is what was just read, the U.S. Constitution. Right. All right. So, so number one, if we have an elected official that we, the people, elect who is now violating the, the, the standard of life, the standard of law, the standard of liberty in America – Right now, it's not us that have defied or broken down the submission to the highest right. law. The You're right. You're right. It it's them. them. Mm. They're it's the them. ones breaking they the law. That's a, that's yes, a great. You know what? That, you're dead on. Yeah. Now take. Brian, on, that's awesome. Yeah. Now take on and keep in mind. I'm just doing. I'm doing devil's advocate. Look, I, sure, I, yes, I, I 100 cent, 100. We do agree with everything you're doing. But I want to be right, ready because right. we get calls that people say, well, what about this? Yeah, and we want to walk through. We're right. walking yeah. through this. This yeah. is, a, you know, brainstorming yeah. here, Rick. Perfect, perfect example. You know, I, I went to a men's conference um, last Saturday. They went from 6,000 okay. people that usually are there. They said you can only have 1,500. Went in. They, we did the distance. We tried to follow, did the mass as best we could. And we went in, and, and, and you see people standing up, repenting of sin, Submitting and confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and 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 then they they are saying, "I repent. I want to follow Jesus." And I think to myself, "What if we had not had this event? Now, does God need me and the men that did that event? He doesn't. However, we saw people really taking care of the 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 real problem we have, and that's what's going to happen to us when we die, or we face the Lord of Lords, or have we been redeemed or not? That's our biggest problem that Jesus has solved." But then people were saying, well, you don't want to unnecessarily put people in danger. Rick, what if you had got COVID? And I would say, I don't care if COVID kills me if I'm preaching. But then they said, but, yeah, but what if you get somebody else sick? Uh, and, and, hey, sometimes the church, I got, there's a guy that we know that we talked about today. He caught COVID at church, and he died. Uh, he, he was someone who was at high risk, and he certainly could, 
you know, had had to take that into account. And maybe he deemed worship to be so important and being in the room more important than 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 being, you know, in his home trying to get it on the computer. You know, so that was his own decision. But how do we answer those in the church that say, well, we shouldn't do this because it's not just about us. We could make, we could put other people in danger. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll say this. The high cost of living is potentially dying. That's right. <laughs> the high cost of living is potentially dying. And we take that cost. We, we, we take that on every day, right? That's right. a bet we take every time we get in a car. Uh, I'm sitting in the airport in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now. Just got on a plane, you know, planes crash, but I want to travel. So I'm going to get on that plane. That brother that, that went on into heaven said, Hey, I'm going to church. Uh, even though he was at risk, he saw worship as something higher than just preserving his own life. And I'm watching these Americans, many that aren't at risk, right? Walking around, living in fear. They're not doing what they want to want to do. They're losing years of their life. And the odds are, are, really in your favor oh, yes. to make it. I mean, I mean, they're, they're horrific. The odds are, are horrifically in your favor. Um, so yeah, I would say to those guys, it's like, yeah, there's a risk involved in everything, but somebody has got to step up and step out. And here's, here's the next thing is like the church is ministered in plague, in pestilence, in war, in famine, uh, anything you can imagine that that's been on the earth through, through acts of genocide, the church has ministered for 2,000 years, and right now we're at a place where, man, they say currently 63% of American churches are closed and not open. Of the 37% of churches that are open and operating, uh, they're seeing about 30% of attendance in person right. from their pre-COVID numbers. So think about what that's doing to the faith life in America right now. If we're down to 37% of churches open and 30% people attending those churches. If you look at the national average, man, it's time to step up. Or what happens is, is what you just talked about. The gospel is not preached. You saw men repenting. You saw men receiving Jesus. You saw people receiving an eternal answer. Listen, an eternal answer is more important than a temporal answer. Amen. And I want everybody to live. I want everybody to be in health. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be reckless or wild. And early on in the pandemic, we took great precautions. Right. We're still taking precautions, but now we see as the science, you know, we're starting to know what we're dealing with. Um, I heard like a, like a kid's chance of dying one in a million that yeah. they're more likely to be struck by lightning. Um, it's got a great survival rate. And then also there, there are other things that, that, well, I'll wait for you to ask the questions, but what I say to them is like, we're the people of faith. We step up. It's time to stop being afraid. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Open up your church. And if your pastor won't open up the church, I think maybe it's time to find another pastor. Um, I think it's time to to go somewhere where people are going to operate wisely, but they're going to operate in the spirit of faith and they're going to worship. Brian, let me let me ask you and, and kind of clarify on that point because we we've established we think the government has no role in this. So then it goes to the church, the leadership of the church, the elders, the pastor, however you are arranged to decide what you should do. Now back when this first started, we really didn't know what we were up against. We thought it could be the black plague. We didn't know. That's what was being sold sure. to us. Millions of people were going to die. Sure. Okay. Sure. And we all just shut shut down work, 
church, everything, and we were good with that. Some people wasn't happy then. I was all right with that temporarily. We talked about it on the air on the show quite a bit. John said, MacArthur talked about that. He said we weighed all that in the beginning. Yeah, and, and I was all right with waiting to a point. And I kind of compared it to if you have a tornado warning and a tornado is bearing down on your building, I don't think it shows lack of faith to get under the pew, okay? I think there's a practical common sense to this. Uh, But as it has drug on, and we talked about there'll be a point where we go, well, at what point is it a reflection on us that we're not having enough faith or I mean, a tornado comes and goes in minutes uh, in most places. A pandemic could be a year and a half. Yep. So is, is, that, is that what you're saying? Is it just time to go back to normal? Are you okay with the precautions? How do you – I mean, where, where are we at on the, the scale of this from 1 to 10 being, you know, we got to take cover or back to normal? What, what do you think? Yes, sir. Well, and there's well, no wrong like- answer. I'm just – Right. It's an opinion, right? It's not, it's not a right Right. or wrong. Right. Uh, We did the same thing. I I heard the numbers that, you know, it could be a potential 5% death loss of America. That's what they were saying in the beginning. I mean, those are catastrophic numbers and uh, no thinking man or woman wouldn't take that into consideration and, and and make some changes. So we took all of our services online. Uh, We did what all of America did. And and, uh, as a matter of fact, when it started, I was actually in Israel, Whenever um, this thing really broke out, I barely got out of Tel Aviv to come home. But but we got home, we looked around, and we said, hey, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. Let's wait and make sure this isn't the Black Plague. Because we, we don't want to expose our people to uh, imminent death and doom, right? It was a yeah. different day. Unnecessarily, right. and, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, and then as the days drug on, we started watching, and kind of when the light bulb went off for me, Oh, uh, okay. Well, the big box stores are open. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're, they're going into the Walmart. I think I drove by the Lowe's. There were enough yeah. people in the parking lot. I thought they were having a 1990 style rave in there. Uh, you know, it was like <laughs> yeah. everywhere no, right. you went, it was full. Well, Lowe's and, we and Home Depot, be. like you said, Walmart, the big box people, they, whoever designed their plan is who we need to put in charge because they, they fought through all of it. Yeah, that's right. They rocked on. And have you ever heard of any stories about people dying? Catch- no. I just want to know, have you ever heard a story about somebody catching it and dying in Walmart? No. Or catching it and dying in Lowe's? No. Or catching it and dying it, dying in one of these they big may, box stores? They may have, but I haven't heard and about it. And they should have had, their employees should have been hospitalized at an incredible rate. Yeah, they never shouldn't happened. have been able to open because everybody was so sick they couldn't open. But how many stories have you heard about people getting it in choirs and churches and whatnot? Oh, yeah. So is this virus? Uh, does it does it religiously discriminate? Is is this hour the most deadly hour in America? That 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 church hour on Sunday morning? No, no, that's by that's by design, and that's designed. I think I think it is. Or COVID's real. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. But the use of it and the fear tactics have been designed to to condition Americans to lay down their rights. So once we saw everybody else has opened up, we're shut down. Kind of the, the the breaking point for me was Easter. It was right. Easter weekend. Right. I scheduled a, a drive-through deal for kids. We're going to give them eggs. Nobody's getting out of the car. We used less than 10 workers. We packed the eggs. They were set so they could sterilize for five days. Um, I got it heavily advertised in our communities. 
And then we get a call from the health department saying, you got to shut this down or we're coming to shut you down. Mm. So that day I complied. I wish I wouldn't have. Um, I hate that I complied that day to be, to, to be honest, because my people at the church at that campus were looking across the parking lot. And here's what they're seeing. They're seeing a teenage kid stuffing French fries in a cardboard box at, at the fast food joint, right? Right. They're seeing the liquor store serve their patrons in a drive-through capacity. Uh, they're seeing the, the the Starbucks push their lattes, their breves, but we couldn't give an egg to a kid in the name of Jesus. I'm for all those other businesses, but if they get to play ball, come on, yeah. we get to play ball. Brian, and I, that's why we started peaceably gather. Right, and and the thing I think where we started this that is the most bothersome to me, especially with the Nevada case, is the the casinos have a percentage that they're limited. And then the churches are limited by a certain number of heads, which is what? What would you say? Fifty? Fifty? No matter yes, how big, uh, no matter, no how, matter big how big the church is. So to me, that's not even legally fair. It's not no. morally fair. I mean, would you feel better if they'd have said the same deal for you and churches? If it had been fifty percent occupancy, would you have been all right with that? Well, across the board. Uh, it would depend on how much knowledge that, that we had about the virus at the time. Right. And are they playing fair with us and the other businesses, right? Right. Is there an equity? I think that would have to right. be taken right. into account. I agree. But now, to be honest, I think it really is none of their business whatsoever constitutional. Right. All right. Uh, so I don't think they can put any mandate or any restriction right. on the church. The I agree. government cannot restrict the church. Okay. Now, that, that, now we the, established but, but the, that, and and now you, as the church leader, you and the elders, or however your church's uh, government is formulated. Sure. Where are you at now? If you don't have that restriction, what do you think? Yeah, for for a wisdom uh, capacity, I think they ever it it differs where you are in America. So let's say if you're in a hot spot, I'll give you an example. Uh, we have four campuses, and whenever we first opened our churches back up, one of those campuses was in a hot spot in America, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, it was Dumas, Texas, and there's a lot of beef packing right in that area. Right. So so the numbers were getting very high there, and so we, we opted to not go inside at that time. We left Dumas, Texas, meeting in the parking lot in the cars, because we want to use wisdom. right? Uh, but that decision, like you say, it's for the pastors, the elders, however that church is governed. Right. It's not it's not for um, some government officials sitting in a in a capital that, that could care less about the church or not. Yeah, well, uh, I read really. it right here, Brian, not or prohibiting the free exercise right. thereof. I mean, they're they're out of the game. So we're out. They don't have a. They don't, <laughs> they don't have, have a say. They the haven't bench. been given that power. They're on the bench. We'll come back. We want to ask you exactly about what 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 is the role and what is the goal of the peaceably gather coalition when we come back on this edition of Rick and Bubba University the podcast. So Brian, you 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 have formed the peaceably gather coalition, uh, and I know that uh, I, I want to ask you about Kelly Shackelford and and, and First Liberty. I know that the, we've talked about you know the First Amendment, but you have to have legal uh, help because we can talk about what the First Amendment clearly says, which we've said through this whole podcast. But you still may be taken into court, so you still got to have legal help. But but tell me what you intend to do. What is it all about? What what is the peaceably gather coalition? 
Well, we started after I, I spoke about the Easter egg incident, right? We'll call it Easter gate. Right. <laughs> uh, so we had, we had Easter gate. And after that, I said, Hey, I'm going out on the parking lot. I'm, I'm serving communion. I'm calling every news outlet and I'm defying the governor's orders. Cause he said we couldn't distribute anything. We did it. We had a great service. The news showed up and said, Hey, these guys aren't crazy. They're taking precautions. They're giving prepackaged communion now. Uh, they're wearing gloves. They're, you're probably safer here than you are in the Walmart. And, and so after that, we said it's time for America to open up its churches. And so we picked a date. It was three weeks leading up to uh, Pentecost Sunday, which was May 31st. And that first date, we started rallying pastors, priests, rabbis, anybody that would listen, take your people safely and sanely back into the house of God. And so the first week we took, we took a, a couple of hundred second week it went to about a thousand churches came aboard and this wasn't just our work we can't there were great teams out there guys uh of like-minded people uh another group out in california that that we're part of coalition with which is church united um then when pentecost sunday hit those guys went with us and and it became thousands of churches that opened up and even defined governor's uh unconstitutional orders and, and really putting their neck on the line. So we opened up peaceably gathering. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put, uh, I don't have a nicer way to say it, guts back in the pulpit mm. to stand against government oppression. See, Jesus is both a lamb and a lion, the Bible says, right? The right. lamb yep. came yep. to take away the sins of the world, but he'll be the lion that'll come and execute judgment upon the nations. So I believe if you've got Jesus in you, you've got both lamb and lion in you. Wisdom shows you when to be the lamb and when to be the lion. And today, America needs some lions to stand up and fight for what is ours, our First Amendment rights. So we're trying to put the guts in the pastures. And it's one of those things that, man, a lot of times you just want to know if somebody's with you, right? Are you fighting by yourself That's or right. is somebody going to come with you? And so we're gathering pastors from across the nation saying, hey, we're with you. We're resourcing them. We're encouraging them. We're meeting with them when they have legal trouble. Um, we're, we're sending pastors out to be in their services. I was just out at Pastor McCoy's in Thousand Oaks, California. A lot of people have seen that. Case. Oh, yes. Yeah, give it's us been, an update. Yeah, what's how, going on? What's the situation there? It's been very public. So so they, uh, you know, he, he sued for his right to worship. Right. By the way, that man's a fabulous uh, teacher of the word of God. So. Uh, I have great respect for Pastor McCoy. So he sues for his right uh, to worship. They deny it. And then they put a restraining order on the church from zero to a thousand people. If you showed up, you could get uh, either fined or arrested. By the way, this or is America I, we're talking about. That We are talking yeah. about United States of America. Go ahead. Right. Thousand Oaks, California. Right. Right. America. So uh, Pastor McCoy said, I'm going anyway. God bless that man. Uh, I think everybody ought to tip their hat to him. And I went out and took about 10 friends with me and we sat in a service because I got on Fox News and said, hey, if you're if you're scared to go to jail, uh, I'll come and go to jail with you for the First Amendment. And I've been trying to get arrested for months now. Nobody will arrest me, guys. In the late 90s, I could get arrested every Friday. And Saturday <laughs> now, now nobody will arrest me. I don't know what's up, you know. It may be that uh, pesky First Amendment. 
<laughs> and you, and you look pretty strong and stocky. Yeah, I mean you, you don't you don't look like a you don't look like a pushover. Yeah, it'd be hard to get that well, arm behind you. Well, well, I don't even think I can get my arms behind me. My shoulders are so messed up now. But but we sat with uh, Pastor McCoy, and so they didn't come out and do anything that that weekend. Too much press. Yep. Right. There's a lot of press games. Right. Yeah. We right. can. Well, hey, we something. can play that game. We we can be, we can be as wise as a serpent. Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to be. So they Sorry. do that stuff on Friday afternoon, so it misses the press cycle. And then and then they didn't touch him on Sunday, but then he was issued a contempt of court, uh, was called in this last Friday, and, and I know they knew it would be a political, still a political nightmare for them, but they fined him heavily, and there's fines he'll be facing going forward um, is kind of where his case is. I think John MacArthur, also Orange County, California, he had $20,000 fines. Some of these guys were facing potential charges of up to a year in jail. I'll be on a panel later today with uh, Che, che on, um down in Pasadena, California. He's been fined, and, and he's looking at potential jail time. Uh, there's another Baptist pastor, his name slipped my mind, uh, $10,000 fine every time he meets, five or 10000 And I believe he's looking at potential uh, jail time in Santa Clara, California. That's why I'm calling Newsom Nero Newsom. Yeah. Because he's brought a new wave of persecution to the church in California. We're talking to uh, to Brian Gibson uh, with the Peaceably Gather Coalition right here on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Brian, um, you know, I think a lot of the sentiment for the government, at least on the science of this, was lost when we saw nationwide protest over the George Floyd killing. Uh, no matter where you stand on that issue, and it's uh, it's an important issue, but n- not necessarily to this discussion, when people went into the streets by the thousands and thousands, and the same people who had been telling everybody to not gather in groups went quiet. We didn't see uh, the leading scientists jumping up and saying, hey, guys, don't do this. You're going to spread the virus. What we heard from some people was, well, this is so important. We don't need to to worry about that. I think they lost scientific credibility in that, and that's when people started going, well, wait a minute. If you can join because it's that important, guess what? My faith is important to me. And we had kind of joked around on the air, and we said, look, you, you don't need to have a church service. Have a protest against sin. Protest. Amen. Yeah. No, no, they lost great credibility. As a matter of fact, I saw Fauci being interviewed uh, on the stand and he was asked repeatedly, you know, should people be at these protests? And he wouldn't answer the question. Right. He defer. Right. I saw he that. wouldn't speak to it. So Fauci, who was given the position, I think he's kind of losing it at this point, but but was given the position of the high priest of healthcare mm-hmm. for all Americans <laughs> for multiple months. Uh, we saw his bias, his his obvious liberal bias. And so the protest happened and the governors were all all good with it. I mean, I was in I was in those protests. Yeah, I was going to ask I you started, about that. You you went in the middle of these and even spent some time over in Chaz Chop, didn't you? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I preached in uh, uh, trying to think Louisville. We had great and are having big time trouble in Louisville right now. Right. I was in the midst of that uh, preaching peace, praying for people. I don't want to see blood in the streets. I want to see peace in the streets. So I started calling for pastors. It's like, hey, pastors, get out of the safety of your pulpit. We're the guys that show up when the bombs start dropping. 
and get in there in the drama and the trauma and make a difference. And so we, we went into D.C. right out in front of the White House on Black Lives Matter Boulevard, started preaching peace. Man, I prayed for everybody from Black Panthers to just kids wanting equal rights. But I'm telling you, we were all packed in there like sardines. Nobody's wearing masks. People are screaming. Uh, if, if it was as dangerous as, as it should be, all of us should have died, including me. Uh, then I went up when, when it broke out in Seattle. And I spent six days preaching in uh, what they called Chaz, then later Chop, um, preaching peace. And I uh, had friends there with me, and we got in the middle of that. And, you know, politicians uh, of a certain side uh, across America cheered them on, right. but wanted churches shut down. And, and, and it really showed the bias that this thing is not about health. This thing was not about uh, keeping us safe. This thing has a political agenda. It's not just a virus. I believe that with all of my heart. It's not just racial animosity. I believe that with all of my heart or racial differences. There's an agenda to destroy the fabric of American culture and to turn us over to a Marxist country. So, so that's when I think the light bulb started going off in my head when I saw we couldn't go to church, but we can pack out um, streets of, with, with tens of thousands of people. And nobody will say a word. What was your what was the response to you preaching the gospel in the middle yeah. of this? What what kind of reaction did you get? You know, well, it was the uh, you know, it's it it, it approaches everything in a situation like that. Of course. So so you gotta watch your approach or you'll just get the tar beat out of you. Um so my approach is like this. I would go up to, to people um and, and I say, Hey, what's the change you wanna see out of this? And then you listen to the heart of the person. Mm -hmm. And some of the people were like, hey, we just we want equal rights. Uh, we, we want the sentencing to be fair in our courts. I mean, I mean, some real issues that, sure. that need to be looked at and addressed. So so then I say, hey, can I pray for you for that? I'm a minister of the gospel. And they would ask me who I was before. I tell them I'm a preacher of peace and I'm a follower of Jesus. And then I'd ask, can I pray for you? And I would share the gospel with them. I had a team doing that. Uh, if they were sick or had afflictions, we would pray for them. Overwhelmingly, the people we asked to pray for, that they allowed us to pray for them. Uh, Washington was way more receptive. Seattle had a stronger mix of not just uh, BLM activists, but Antifa. Sure. All right? And that, that thing in Chop Chaz, uh, it had a different spirit to it, a more violent spirit to it. Mm -hmm. And so when people would hear me talking and preaching the gospel up there in Chop, uh, Antifa would come and approach me and you can spot them because their face is going to be blacked out. They're not going to show their faces. Um, and, you know, the guys that won't show you their, their faces, there's a reason, right? Right, right. Because they're up to no good or they're a coward. It's one of those two things. Or somebody so might be looking over. for them. So you felt more <laughs> spiritual uh, uh, oppression there than anywhere else as far as the darkness. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, uh, they would come over, I'm, I'm ministering to some 20 year olds or something like that. Hey, what, what's this guy telling you? Well, I'm telling them, you know, I'm telling them God's got a great plan for their life. I'm praying for them. Uh, they said, well, what's your message? My message is I believe every man's made in the image of God, just like it says in the book of Genesis. And if we'll respect one another like that, healing in America can start. And so then those guys would scream because I said, every man is made in the image of God. Hey, this guy says that all lives matter, 
Those are like cuss words. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so then they start pulling the mob to you. The next thing you know, I'm surrounded by Antifa guys yelling at me. And so you just got to be wise and, and you say what you're going to say, ham a man a piece. And then you got to know when to pass through the crowd, right? Just like right. Jesus and the Gospels right. yeah. and get out of there. But um, I, I've never been, it's not that I don't face fear like everybody else does. Sure. sure. Right. But, but I'm not afraid. Right. And I'm not going to live afraid. And, uh, you well, know, I yeah, preach the gospel all over the world, and I'm not going to stop here in America <laughs> just because some guys put some masks on and tell me not to. Yeah, think about that. You go to the persecuted churches all over the world, places where if they catch you, <laughs> you could be killed, and all of a sudden we're afraid to go out to and, and speak to people in America. Somebody okay. dressed like a ninja? D- d- you know, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Like a ninja. Well, well, that's right. Yeah, well, I'm not scared of a guy in a ninja outfit, right? <laughs> yeah, and can we please, because, and here's other things, and we got about we got about five minutes. But here's something else, and the surveys are showing this, is that it, it's starting. We're, and I, I hear these conversations. I heard one yesterday with with someone that I'm, you know, I don't know personally, but I I know them as an acquaintance, where people are are starting to say, and this is sad because it says a lot about the state of their spiritual health prior to this, but but we all need help spiritually, can, you know, our sanctification and working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Those who endure will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You know, we're all in a process of being refined and sanctified. So we, we, you know, be like anything else in your life. If you stop doing it, you're not going to move forward. If you, if you stop something that's beneficial to you spiritually, but there are people, and I know a lot of them are just being revealed as cultural Christians. And I got that, but, but for, but who knows? I was once a cultural Christian and, uh, and, and nobody gave up on me. You know, I'm, I'm a recovering cultural Christian. That, that about one in three people are saying, I'm not doing the online. I'm not doing anything. I just don't go to church anymore. And whether it opens or not, it's not going to affect me. I'm probably not going back. Yeah, no, the stats show that during the shutdown, um, a one in three, I think this was a Barna stat. Yeah, I think you're right. One in, one in three of the people that were active in church before the shutdown attended no services, and they watched nothing online. So I think what we are seeing is uh, what the Bible would talk about, a great falling away, right? In, Correct. In a culture. Correct. Uh, but what I'm believing and praying for is not just a great falling away, but also a great renewal and revival, right? That, that's what I want to see sweep across America. And, uh, you know, I do online services as well. I'm not against that. I'm, I'm for that. But I think that has to be a supplement. And it's not the main dish. That's it. And, and let me. Yeah, you hit on something there. Pardon me for interrupting you because I knew make that point. I think sometimes pastors have been duped by thinking as long as I'm online, everything's okay. But that's not a given to the the numbers we're seeing. Online never replaces the gathering. It might be it might be why the writer of Hebrews was so adamant about it. Uh, he didn't know about online, but you know, get, get coming together was important <laughs> because because nothing else replaces it. No, nothing else replace, replaces. It's the church. It's the ecclesia, which means sacred assembly. And he says you got to come together and come together even more as you see the day approaching, right? Uh, things are getting darker. Come together more. So here's the other thing a lot of people don't consider about online. Uh, there are powers out there that can manipulate yep. what's happening online like that. Mm-hmm. We've never seen censorship at this level in America. And so, so we're redefining the way we gather as the church theologically. So many guys are, 
because they have massive online followings and they're saying, hey, everything's great. I'll tell you why they're saying, hey, everything's great. All right. When, when, when the thing first hit uh, financially, churches money tanked for the first couple of weeks. But the churches, they got savvy online. Right. They locked down their services. Right. They got savvy online. Do you know what happened financially? It went, went up. It went up. Their money went through the roof. Yep. And so now they got less expenses and more money. They have no incentive to go back. And I hope every church has all the money to do everything it's called for. But I almost think this was a ploy of the devil to keep us quiet. And so as long as the money was good, everybody was feeling good. We're going online. But here's what started to happen. Facebook's already kicked me off once before. And that's without me even being that political, just sure. advertising church too much. Took my account away, could not get it back. No, no explanation. Uh, now we're finding this as we're preaching on the weekends. Let's say we're sending out a signal to multiple campuses. All of those campuses are receiving our signal fine. Sending out a signal to YouTube. YouTube is receiving our signal fine. Right. But our signal to Facebook, whenever certain words are sent, and it goes in a more... I mean, it is political, right? Right. They start pulsing what's going out there. Mm. Or I'll say, and, and, and it's not just me. I'm calling other friends. Yeah, you're being choked down. Yeah. yeah, you're being choked yeah, down. They'll make, they'll make it where nobody can watch it. And so these guys are no longer platforms. They are publishers. Right. We've covered that. That's oh, very that's big. Very well, Brian, big. just thank you for what you're doing. Peaceablygather.com. You, you, yes, sir. You, this is a call to action, and, and churches. If you if you're looking for people that he's already said that'll stand with you, uh, and this is a, this is a crossroads for the church in America. Peaceablygather.com. Pastor Brian Gibson, thanks for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.